Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Wednesday, September 16th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Home Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Home Senior Writer Ben Pierce. Hey, what's going on? And writers, Y-Tran Bowie. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. So news has been kind of slow this week, but we, we have a couple things to talk to you about today. Uh, in the last edition, we talked about Wonder Woman being pushed back and uh, with like the, the, I guess you could call it lackluster box office results of Tenant domestically. And that looks like Disney is considering their options. HD, tell us about it. Yes. So according to a new report from Variety, Disney is likely to delay the release date of Black Widow once again, pushing it from its current November 6th release date. There is no new release date yet in mind, and this is not yet official on Disney's part. This is just due, uh, from a report. Um, but this is a possibility for all the reasons that you said. And according to the report, Disney is also considering pushing um, the release of Soul, not to theaters, but to Disney Plus, where um, it will premiere like it did, like Mulan did um, in a possibly a higher um, price point. So that is the report. We don't really know anything else concrete for now. Um, but I have to say, just um, I don't <laughs> quite like the optics of Disney pushing their first black-led Pixar film to Disney Plus just after they pushed their first Asian, one of the major Asian-led films uh, to Disney Plus, and they're just kind of keeping Black Widow on the black back burner for theaters. So it's just my sort of two cents that I don't really like about this sort of situation. Huh, I didn't even think about that. My first thought was that Disney keeps on dumping these Pixar films. I mean, first with Onward, which I guess came out in theaters for what, like a week or something, and then got put on uh did, did it first go to premium VOD and then Disney Plus, or was it just Disney Plus? I don't even it remember. It was just Disney Plus, I think. Oh, no. Oh, okay. I probably should look this up. <laughs> I, I think it might have been premium VOD and then Disney Plus. Yes. Um, But it just yes. seems weird. Like That is what I that, remember, by the way, yeah, because I remember. Yeah. yeah. 
it just seems weird that like Pixar used to be like their mighty giant over at Disney. And now they're just like, why do you think, why do you guys think that the Pixar films are the ones that are like just being released out there on, you know, non-theatrical release, especially since these films cost as much, if not more of some of these blockbusters that they are not releasing, you know, on premium VOD. I, I think it's probably the, the family angle just because families that are stuck at home and they're more likely to rent this stuff because kids need entertainment because they're loud monsters and they run around the house making noise. So that's, that's my guess, but I could be wrong. Yeah. I would say that I would agree with Chris because I think that it's more along the lines of just how COVID has affected, has impacted families and kids who are either doing school remotely from home and have, are just kind of stuck at, in their houses. So I think in a gen, my generous reading of that is that Pixar films <laughs> appeal to the younger demographics and appeal to children. So I think it's just their way of uh, trying to uh, target these audiences, especially because they did some things not similar with Frozen 2, but they also released it early to uh, Disney streaming um, before it was its window closed for between the theater and digital slash VOD release. Yeah. I You know, I've been joking that the 2020 movie season has been canceled and that, that joke is quickly becoming a reality like like at first it was you know it was just like i I was kidding about it but it really seems like you know what do we have left we have bond and i guess uh black widow is gonna be delayed is there any other movies coming out this year that are huge dune and there's uh what the hell just got moved to christmas i can't remember wonder Wonder woman that's wonder woman yeah but November yeah. is basically vacated now, and it's probably a matter of time before MGM moves No Time to Die again. You know, this pandemic is so depressing, guys. But you know what? Soon we can laugh about it because South Park is going to be doing a coronavirus episode. Ben, tell us about it. Yeah, so South Park, for the first time, I mean, this show has been on since, what, the late 1990s, and they have never made an hour-long episode, but that is about to change later this month with what they're calling the Pandemic Special, which is uh, the first hour-long episode of South Park that is going to be hitting Comedy Central on September 30th, and it is going to be about uh, Randy coming to terms with his role in the COVID-19 outbreak and uh, the kids going back to school and that whole situation being all screwed up and weird. Um, Cartman may or may not actually have the coronavirus. It's unclear, but there's a little teaser trailer. So if you're interested in, in the show, if you're still watching it, uh, you can watch the uh, the trailer at the link in the show notes. But um, yeah, I, I mean... Peter, you're talking about yeah. we can laugh about it. Uh, are, are are we ready to laugh about the pandemic, Ben? I, I don't think I am. Um, you know, we're about to cross two hundred thousand people dead, and uh, it's not it's not really a, a moment for me that that it's time to laugh yet. Um, maybe one day we'll be able to look back on this and be like, oh, that uh, that crazy time. But um, I, I'm not there yet, personally. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Maybe it'll help to to distract a little bit, but when the episode is is like explicitly about this, then um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe this will do something for some people. I just don't see it doing anything for me personally in this moment. I think everybody's reacting to this in different ways, but um, 
yeah, for me, I, I don't want to consume any coronavirus related content right now. I'm just wondering what can Matt and Trey bring to this situation? What what kind of comedic uh, tilt or angle to this like that we I don't know. It, it just are, are you still watching South Park? Uh, I gave up last year. Um, I, I had been watching for many, many years leading up, and I eventually just got tired of the show's um, sort of obsession with Randy's new job, which is he opened a uh, a weed farm um, and like moved his family out of South, like to the outskirts of South Park, and it just seemed like so many episodes just focused on that storyline, which I did not think was funny or interesting in any way, and so it just sort of zapped my. Uh, my passion for the show and this uh pandemic special episode seems to dive right back into that so i guess if if you've you know been liking what south park has been doing lately this seems like more of the same and maybe you'll you'll get a lot more out of this than i will but uh, i think i'm i'm gonna skip this one yeah okay let's talk about this madonna biopic it has locked in a director it's a a very, very interesting choice. Chris, tell us about it. Yes, the director is Madonna, so she is directing her own biopic. She's also co-writing it with uh, Diablo Cody, so uh, there's very little chance this is going to be um, objective, I guess, since Madonna is literally in charge of everything going into the film, so don't expect anything too critical of Madonna, I guess, since I, I just can't imagine her doing that but at the same time i you know even though i don't think madonna is actually a, a good filmmaker the movies she's made are kind of bad uh i i do appreciate the 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 hubris here of like yes i will direct my own <laughs> biopic so i i'm generally curious to see how this turns out I do remember Madonna had this documentary did she direct truth or dare or did someone else direct it um i don't have it in front of me but uh I remember that being a little bit vulnerable, but maybe she was not the person. Yeah, no. Well, she uh, didn't direct that, no. She didn't direct it. Yeah, I have it in front of me. It was Alec Keshishian, which I'm definitely pronouncing wrong. Sure. But yes. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I guess the question that comes to mind is, has anyone ever directed their own biopic before? Uh, not to my knowledge. I, I've tried to look that up. I, I didn't really find anything. I mean, there have been instances of people playing themselves in their own biopics, like Jackie Robinson played himself in, in the Jackie Robinson story. But as far as I can tell, no one has directed a movie really about themselves. Uh, so this is, I guess this is a first. Yeah, I guess we often see them like being involved in the writing process, either it being an adaptation of like their autobiography or them you know right. getting a screenwriting credit but like never being the filmmaker that is i don't know i feel like i want to see a documentary about the making of this movie because i feel like that would be a form of therapy of her like directing an actress playing herself and having to like relive the past moments of her like i you know i feel like that's like a charlie kaufman movie right there that documentary <laughs> not 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 the the madonna directed madonna movie but the madonna directing a madonna movie and seeing her her have to you know relive all the uh the traumas and triumphs of her life i think that'd be weird um okay let's move on to uh cbs all access it is 
getting rebranded. HD, what do we know? We all know that people love plus signs in their streaming platform titles because yeah. that's what we're getting oh. with. <laughs> wait, wait, guys. I, I have some breaking news here. I'm I'm renaming Slash Film. It's going to be Slash Film Plus because I think uh, that that's going to do better. Yeah, it's it. Everyone just gets so excited over that plus sign because uh, yeah, that's what we're getting with CBS All Access, which is rebranding to Paramount Plus. Um, a cool title for all the hip millennials that love a good plus sign at the end of their titles. I don't know. <laughs> it's um a streaming uh, rebrand that will happen in early 2021, according to a press release from Viacom CBS, and it's part of the service's expansion to feature content uh, beyond blah blah blah. Their current portfolio um and uh it's a it comes with a an announcement of five new original shows one of which is very intriguing which includes uh the a, a series called the offer which is based on producer alvarez's experience of making the godfather but all of that being said this is a dumb move <laughs> no one <laughs> no one cares about the plus sign and what it means but it is also really funny that Viacom is re- realizing now that Paramount has a slightly higher um sort of recognition <laughs> than CBS or maybe something that allows them more uh you know uh more like range range maybe? exactly yeah. so it's just a uh, we're t- just very tired of all of this. <laughs> it always seemed weird to me that they went with CBS because to me, CBS like just seems like the dumb TV network that has like the procedurals and has like the, you know, the sitcoms. And it, it's like the thing, it's the show, it's the channel that I don't watch. But Paramount has always had like kind of a prestige to it, even though in recent years as a movie studio, they've kind of not done so well it and there's like that paramount library so i don't know why they didn't just go with paramount in the first place but yeah yeah cbs is definitely has that reputation of being sort of middle brow uh older audiences so it's a smart move like in the wide run yeah. but it's just something that feels like it's come so late and it's just uh makes things more confusing yeah, over. I, I wonder if um, it has to do with the fact that CBS All Access actually launched a long time ago, like 2014, <laughs> it looks like. And the uh, I think there was a merger recently where Viacom and Paramount joined oh. forces. So maybe they didn't have access to to the Paramount name at the time that CBS All Access launched, and they sort of like went with what the, what they had. Uh, that that could be the case. I'm not sure though. Yeah. Oh, I do want to note there might be even more confusion with the Viacom cable network, Paramount Network, which uh, <laughs> was behind that ill-fated Heather's reboot and it's just kind of hanging around. It used to be Spike TV, um, so there's been a lot of rebranding on its part too. So I wonder whether they're going to change that cable uh, title again. Hmm. Well, okay. Speaking of another plus, let's go to Disney Plus, the She-Hulk TV series that was announced at, uh, what, D23 last year. It's finally found a director. Chris, tell us about it. Uh, yes, that director is Kat Koiro, who uh, has a bunch of TV credits to her name, like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and, and Dead to Me. Uh, she also has a feature film called Marry Me coming out soon with like, Jennifer Lopez in it. Um, she's directing the pilot, and she's also going to direct a few episodes and 
serve as executive producer and that's really all we have at the moment no uh there's no casting yet there's no word on when they're going to start shooting it uh they're hoping to premiere it in 2022 but you know who knows if that'll happen okay so i guess the question is like what are your thoughts on cat as a filmmaker Oh, I'm a big cat fan. No, I have no idea who she is. I've never heard of her until this week. So I have I have mm. no real thoughts on her as a, as a filmmaker. I mean, even though I've watched, I'm sure I've seen episodes she's directed. I, you know, I can't recall them off the top of my head. So I, I am I am neutral on Cat Coiro. Well, it seems like her experience so far is like in comedy, like sitcoms, right? Right. Well, they Which... also have the the a writer from. Uh, Rick and Morty serving as the uh, the, the showrunner here, or, the, or she's in charge. Jessica Gao is her name. She's in charge of yeah. the writer's room. So it really sounds like they're going for comedy with this show. Yeah, I've, I've never read She-Hulk. I, I don't know anything about it, but I just assumed it was going to be, you know, a female take on, on the Hulk. And I, I don't think the Hulk is like a comedy. Well, she, She-Hulk is a lawyer who is also a Hulk. So that's kind of funny. <laughs> Oh, I think it, you just have to go with comedy here because yeah, yeah. there's really no other way to do that. Chris, do you know enough about She-Hulk to know if like um, if she hulks out or if she's constantly that <laughs> version of the character? Because like I, I could, I, I do would know love... that she's constantly in her Hulk form because right. she's oh, like, sp- yeah, but she's, also she unlike the Hulk. law like that. But also unlike the Hulk, although now it's in the movies you have the smart Hulk, but she is always intelligent like she didn't make herself smarter the way the bruce banner hulk in the movies did like she turned into the hulk character but always could just you know talk like a normal person she wasn't so i was really hoping she would be able to like transform into she hulk to intimidate a witness into giving the answer that she wanted or something on the stand that would be a a pretty impressive technique but (laughs) okay let's uh let's talk about star trek this is one of the paramount properties that uh is still I guess somewhat notable. Uh, Noah Hawley was hired to write this movie and I'm not sure if that's getting made, but we've learned a little bit about it. Uh, Ben, tell us about it. Yeah. So right now, Noah Hawley's Star Trek movie is on hold. Uh, It hasn't been canceled yet. The script is done. There was actually a point where he was hiring um, like designers and stuff to, to actually get to work on this. But the, uh, I think the president of production at Paramount decided to press pause on the movie earlier this year and sort of reassess the best course of action for the Star Trek film franchise because there are several movies that were sort of in various stages of development and they're trying to figure out which one they want to go ahead with. But because uh, Fargo, which uh, Noah Hawley created as the showrunner of, is coming up on uh, FX, the fourth season of that is about to premiere later this month. Um, there are all these interviews and stuff with him. He's, he's sort of making the rounds and Variety did a, a profile on him and spoke with him uh, briefly about this Star Trek movie that he wrote. And I'm going to spoil um, something that happens in the first season of Fargo. So if you have not seen that show and you are interested in catching up with it and, and want to go in completely fresh, maybe pause the episode here and watch it and save this until after or something, or just skip ahead to the end of the episode. But uh, at the end of Fargo, or I guess it's not even the end. It's, it's I think, several episodes into Fargo season one. Um, that show, it... it, it uh, it does not follow characters that uh, were explicitly in the Coen brothers movie. It, it introduces, it takes place in that world, but um, follows a whole new group of characters. And it seemed like it was going to be completely unconnected except for just sort of like a general tone. But uh, in the first season of that show, um, 
Oliver Platt's character actually finds the money that Steve Buscemi's character buried in the snow at the end of the movie. So there is a a direct narrative link between the two shows. And uh, Noah Hawley says that basically they're going to do that kind of same thing in his Star Trek movie if it ever gets made. He said, we're not doing Kirk. We're not doing Picard. It's a start from scratch that then allows us to do what we did with Fargo, where for the first three hours you go, oh, it really has nothing to do with the movie. And then you find the money. So you reward the audience with a thing that they love. So uh, it's unclear, mm-hmm. you know, what that actual connection to the the film franchise would be, um, because he said that there would be an explicit connection. Um to to the film franchise but it's you know the the star trek film franchise is pretty vast at this point it's unclear if he's going to connect it to the most recent trilogy of movies which was led by chris pine zachary quinto and zoe saldana or if he's gonna sort of like throw a curveball in there and maybe make this new movie which follows new characters um connect with a different part of the star trek timeline there's there's really like you know so many options that are on the table there um, but it's sort of an interesting uh, approach because, like I said, there there are several different Trek movies in the works. Um, one of them, at least two of them, actually, were supposed to be uh, following the the sort of uh, bad robot era cast. But Noah Hawley's movie was going to be the only one that introduced brand new characters and, and followed a whole different adventure. So um, we'll have to see which one Paramount decides to go with. Yeah. Do you think there's any chance we're going to get this movie? Because isn't this like about a galactic pandemic yeah that's part of the reason where why i think they decided to press pause on this because it, it is about quote a virus that wipes out vast parts of the known universe so um yeah the connection to our our current uh, pandemic reality um is is not ideal right now but uh i don't know maybe in a couple of years uh, if, if they're willing to wait that long that's the thing I'm, I'm just very curious to see what eventually gets greenlit here because star trek like you mentioned is is one of paramount's um, important franchise properties, even though they've been struggling in recent years to try to figure out what to do in the movie world. Um, it's been thriving on TV lately. So uh, I, I'm very curious to see, I, I think which one, uh, the movie that gets greenlit out of this will go a long way to like um, informing us about what the studio thinks about the future of the franchise. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just curious in a bigger aspect, like how, movies and tv are going to handle this pandemic like do you think we're going to see a lot of people like actually addressing it like seeing a lot of people in masks seeing a lot of people go through this or do you think like i mean we mentioned earlier this south park episode this coronavirus episode uh and is it too soon to laugh about the pandemic but like are we going to want to see dramas set in the pandemic or are we going to want to see science fiction movies that are like you know, maybe a little too close to home. Well, there's an interesting point that someone made on the internet. I can't remember who it was, but um, how there is very little literature and um, about the Spanish flu pandemic during the 1910s. Uh, it's something that you know, was hugely uh, impactful on the culture and then kind of was just forgotten because right after that we have the Roaring Twenties and then the Depression and World War One. So I guess it kind of all, like, rolled after the other, but that was a huge thing that is virtually forgotten and not spoken of or written about. Hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see what becomes of our art and how it's uh, reflected. I don't know about, uh, about like art and in, in the terms of like movies and books like that, but I will say that 
every time I see a commercial now on Hulu, it's it oh, has yeah. something to do with the, the like I saw one the other day that for it was like it was for like gum, but the whole process with the whole premise was you need to keep your breath fresh because you're wearing a mask now and you can smell your breath more. And it's like this is where we are now, where we're just like this is our lives now. We have to have gum commercials about wearing masks and it's it's a wonderful time to be alive i'm glad i'm so glad i got to live to see all this <laughs> did they address the problem chris of how do you put the stick of gum in your mouth while you're wearing a mask well you put it on before you put the mask on and then uh, then you're safe so you don't have to smell your own stinky breath as you as you wear your plague mask around the world that is slowly <laughs> ending I wear these like paper masks because I've found that the cloth masks are like I, my glasses just fog up so much. So I wear like uh you know the masks that you see like doctors and stuff wear like the the, the paper like right. it's blue on the outside. Uh, it, it on the inside, I'm not sure if it's just my mask, but like it has like this like minty fresh smell to it. So like when I'm like breathing it, it almost feels like I'm like chewing gum or something. Because uh, it has like a, a fresh smell to it. That'll be yeah. next. They're going to start selling like I'm not even kidding. They'll, they will start selling like scented masks. That's actually a great idea. Sniff match. It's going to happen soon. It'll happen like by the end of the year. Yeah. Okay. That brings us to the end of today's Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find the stories we talked about in today's podcast linked in the show notes. You can find this podcast in iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify. All the popular podcast apps, please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter.com. And write and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. We'll see you on Friday.